I listen to 2ARM 92.1 FM in the car or at work. Great tunes and community news. I'm Herb and welcome to Shed Talk. You're listening to 2ARM 92.1 FM, your local community radio station, adding great tunes to the fabric of Armidale and our local New England. Now, you might like to listen to 2ARM broadcast via internet streaming. You can do this by going to the internet, 2ARM.net.au, and select the Listen Online tab. So thanks for listening in. Uh, we've got a brand new show called Shed Talk. This is episode six with Bob. So where did Shed Talk come from? I'm a member of the local motor club. And monthly is a show and shine down at the Creeklands Park. Uh, and everybody there has a passion for motors, cars, motorbikes, or just being a member of the club. And I wanted to share that passion with others and maybe be, make the case that if you are interested and have a similar passion, that you join a local club where you're with like-minded people and uh, learn, a, learn a lot about different motors. One of the things that I found once we started talking, there's a wealth of information that comes from these people that have been a member of club or have been involved in motors and motorbikes and cars. And what we're doing is sharing the passion of the club. So without further ado, let's listen to episode six with Bob. I listen to 2ARM 92.1 FM in the car or at work. Great tunes and community news. Good morning, Bob. Morning. How are you? I'm well. Tell me, are you a member of a car club? Yes, I'm a member of the Classic Specialist Car Club. Been a member since the 80s. Prior to that, I was working in Dubbo and I was a member of the Western Districts Antique Automobile Club in Dubbo back in the early 70s. So you're almost one of the founding members of this car club? Oh, I think it was founded in 76 and I was still in Dubbo then. I didn't come here till the 80s, but I was certainly involved with what I call heritage vehicles uh, very early on in the piece. My wife became very friendly with a couple who had a, a 1912 crit. She said to me one day, we'll have to get an old car. And that's what started it. And I was an accountant at the time. I didn't know much about motor cars, but I went to night tech in Dubbo and learnt to panel beat, file finish cars, weld, all that sort of thing. And got to like it and subsequently started dragging old cars home to, to try and restore. Oh, great. Um, and what do you think you, what benefits are there in uh, becoming a member of a, a car club? Oh, most car clubs are very social. It, there's a very good social aspect. The cars are a means to an end, really, to a social involvement. You meet a lot of people who have similar views and um, it, it's very enjoyable with the car clubs people have a particular interest in, in cars my interest well is heritage cars cars that are fairly early or oh, the youngest car i have is 1984 but the oldest car is 1927 and i got involved with very early cars i was intrigued particularly because of the, the workmanship that went on then in very difficult times when they didn't have all the machinery it was hands-on and, and that appealed to me that men work with their hands 
And if you were then doing up a panel on a car, you knew the last bloke that did it was probably 30, 40 years ago, and he did it by hand. You know? They were tradesmen. And so are you telling me then that it's the coach work and the construction of the car, not necessarily the motor, that is your interest? Oh, yeah. I'm particularly interested in car bodies, how they went about making them, um, but also most cars around that era have a, a similar sort of motor, but they, then they have quirky differences as well. Plus the, the fact normally a car that is a, that old is a low compression motor and you can crank start it, for instance. you don't, If your battery goes flat, well, you can put the crank handle in, away you go. I just, I believe there's a heritage vehicle in those sort of vehicles. They were the sort of things that opened up farms, industry, that sort of thing, and um, it was, it, yeah, it's very appealing, that that sort of thing. Well, it's interesting because most of the other people that I've interviewed have more been about the motor and driving the vehicle. I think it's the first time I've heard somebody say it's the building of the, the vehicle mm. that's um, of more interest. I've been involved with restoring them, starting with the basics and then restoring the car, and it becomes very hands-on and you get totally involved car, that sort of thing, and it's nice to walk over and look at a, a car and know that, yeah, I panel beaded and file finished that mudguard and I painted it, I did all this sort of... It's a more personal approach, mm. and I, there's a lot of value still with other people that just have a car because of family connections. Mm. Uh, um, we've got a, a, a Tirana here which was belonged to my late wife's father. I'd, I'd think of it just as I do any other normal sort of car. A lot of times too I try and find out about the cars. My old 27 Dodge for instance, the lady and man that owned it lived halfway between Dubbo and Wellington at a place called Geary and they, she had nine children and they were Geary's probably about 15 miles in between. And every time she went to the hospital in that Dodge, had the child and come home again. Uh, so it's got a good family history and I know a fair bit about that old car. But I th- uh, uh, I'm very much into heritage. I like heritage buildings, uh, that sort of thing. Most of the heritage, heritage thing, the big value is tradesmen, old-time tradesmen. You walk around a heritage house, for instance, and you see all the little finishing touches they do. You have a look at the brickwork, the way it's done, that sort of thing. And these were trades blokes who were proud of what they did. That's the heritage vehicle value, I think. Plus the fact all cars didn't look alike. They were totally different. So I also involved with the Council of Heritage Motor Club, which is the overriding institution which our car club's a member of. And I've been involved with them for the last 20 odd years. And they look after vintage car clubs as a whole within New South Wales and liaise with the Department of Motor Transport and uh, keep us on track and let us know what's going on if anyone's doing the wrong thing, that sort of thing. Because most people, you get your concessional registration, which is cheap, 45 bucks a year. You get a logbook, you can go out 60 times on your logbook or you can attend club events as well so you can use the car practically whenever you want. You just have to observe a few rules and that's simple to do. You observe the few rules and you've got all that 
comfort really using a vehicle so well 60 days is that doesn't seem like to, to some mightn't seem very long but it actually is when you've got a few vehicles in oh, the shed yeah. it's very hard to actually go even anywhere near a third of that uh, 60 days in a year yeah well they did an, uh, a survey amongst all the clubs as to the usage on logbooks and it came out to 11 days a year that's all clubs were using cars so uh, I suppose on that average you might get the people who were using close to their 60 but there were a lot of others who were using two or three. This is Herb and I'm here with Shed Talk, I'm here with Bob uh, who we've found out is into his heritage vintage restoration cars. Tell me Bob your first car motor car that you actually owned what was that? First car I ever owned was a Singer 9 Roadster which in a climate like Armadale wasn't the best car to own, but I liked it. And uh, it, in a way, was quite impractical. So I then upgraded it to a 1958 Volkswagen. I became quite fond of Volkswagens, so I thought they were good little cars. Um, Hitler's Revenge. Hitler's Revenge, yeah. But the, the Singer 9, I did restore later on, quite a few years ago, another Singer 9, which I sold. Mm. And the guy who bought it came all the way from Sedan in Adelaide. He uh, was 80 years old. He had one when he was young and he wanted it as a birthday present for himself. I was having trouble getting in and out of it because they're really low to the ground. Mm. And I thought, oh, well, he should enjoy himself for a couple of times anyway. But yeah, all, all those sort of cars, I have to admit, it's only lately that I've bought a couple of cars. The rest of the time I used to restore them. I had my wife used to, who used to drive her to distraction, the number of wrecks and bits and pieces I collected. I'd stood there one day and she was with me and she said, you're never going to live long enough to do all this, are you? And I thought, I'm not, no. So I subsequently sold a lot of them off. <laughs> Blokes bought them and uh, they've restored them and they're enjoying them. So I was quite happy with the fact that I saved them, probably from being chucked in a gully or or, that sort of thing. Or melted down for, for metal? Yeah, yeah. The scrappies were pretty active mm. back oh, back in the uh, 90s. They were really, really active then. Scrap was worth a lot of money. Mm. And uh, a lot of antique machinery went. Anything that had steel in it went. So, but what was your favourite car that you might have had in your time? Favourite car is my... 1927 Dodge. It, it tends to be impractical now in modern traffic. It's only got rear wheel brakes. It's a big heavy car. It hasn't got power steering or anything else like that. Out of all the cars I've got, it, it's a favourite car. I've also got some more recent sort of cars. Uh, they're good fun to drive, to go out uh, with a car club. But when you drive a vintage, you feel you're part of the car. It's not like getting in a modern car that does everything. All you have to do is steer it and press your foot on the brake when you have to. With a vintage, you become part of the car. It's a funny thing to say, but you're feeling through the gearbox, you're feeling everything that's going on. And you know, you and the car become one when you're travelling along. And that, that's a really special sort of feeling, really. You go back and think how wonderful people thought they were back then when they got that first car. You know? Today, I have taken a few people for drives in a vintage car and they just get out and shake their head and say, you're mad. <laughs> but, yeah, that's why I like it. You, you, you 
become very connected with the car. It's nice to get in a more modern one and drive around and have everything uh, work and power steering, all that sort of thing, but there's certainly an appeal in a really, really old motor car. So you've still got the, your, your favourite car, the Dodge? Yeah, there. I restored it in 1972 and it's been on the road ever since. So that might be a good opportunity to uh, maybe uh, pause for a moment and go down to the shed and a bit of a look and maybe kick one in the ribs and... I thought we could go for a drive in it. Oh, well, that might be an idea too. Yeah. All right, I'm here with Bob, the Heritage Restorer, and we're going to go down to the shed now. Hi, I'm Herb and this is Shed Talk. I'm here with Bob. We've just come down to the shed to have a little look at some of the cars. Now, what's this one, Bob? This is a 1969 Volkswagen Carmen Gear. It's a 1600 twin port motor. They have Italian styling in the body, a nice Art Deco shape. People find it hard to believe that Volkswagen produced a car that look like this. So uh, what colour is that? Uh, it's, it's a yellow. Mustard? No, they call it yellow. It's a yellow, but it, but it isn't really. It's, uh, yeah, it's a hard colour to describe. 1969 was the only year they put that colour on the car. Right. It was, it's a one-off colour. And I see you've got a, a new carburetor yep. there. What's, uh, what's the story there? The old carburetor, you'll see they have a solenoid on them, an electric solenoid which allows the car to idle and the old carburetor, the solenoid was failing. It works off an expanding coil in here. So the, the solution was to buy a new Chinese carburetor. It's a very well-made carburetor. The car goes extremely well with it. 1600 cc's for a car that weighs a bit over 700 kilos. It's mm. a nippy little car. So the classic uh, Volkswagen uh, motor in the rear. Let's go into the into yeah. the interior and have a look at what do we got there. So the first thing you'll notice is the pedals are offset. They're yeah. not in front of you. That's because of the shape of the body. So you have to get used to offset pedals. Yes. So is it five speed or four speed? Four speed. There is a back seat. It's very limited. You can see yep. the back of that seat will fold down onto there and you've yep. got extra luggage space because there's hardly any space in the front. Gotcha. So did the upholstery, it looks damn fine. Did uh, did you do the upholstery or was it like that it when was, you got it? It was like that when I got it. Mm. I put a hood lining in it, did a bit of paintwork on it. Um, well, that's it. That, that, uh, can I do that again? Yeah, sure. That's nice. As you can see, it's got a, a lovely Art Deco look about it. A little uh, extra to the... The bumper bar. To the bumper bar. Yeah, that was something they only put on for two or three years. And two in two air scoops into the front? Yep. Oh, funny shape. Interesting shape, nice shape. What's this here? That's a petrol cap. Petrol, petrol cap. filler. A really interesting thing. See this hose here? Yeah. That's for your windscreen washer pressure. Yeah. And you connect it up to your spare tire. To your spare tire. So the spare tire is sitting sort of offset in the right at the front of the boot. 
yes. the front of the car, and there's a hose that you just connect up to get the air pressure. Yeah, to run your windscreen. <laughs> oh, shit. It's quite strange. <laughs> yeah, it's strange, all right. A bit quirky. But there's, as you can see, there's not a lot of room in there. You can fit a nice no. flat leather suitcase, that's about all. People think they're a sports car, but they're not a sports car, they're a coupe. So where did this car come? What, what town did this come from? came from Sydney. From Sydney, yeah. And how long have you had this one? Oh, about five, six years. Five or six years? It's a good car to drive. You know, it's light, handles well. Beautiful little thing, really. I got it for a good price, and I've been offered a lot of money for it. But my son is Australian War Memorial, mm. uh, conservator down there. He's decided he wants it. Oh, so, nice. That's, yeah, that, that'll so be good. It might stay in the family. Yeah, I'd like him to keep it, yeah. Yep, and that's the way it should be. Yes. Let's have a look what you've got next. So this is your favourite here. Yep. This is it. Now, what colour is this? It's yellow. I could say it's yellow, <laughs> but I thought I was going to say canary it's yellow called, or something. It's called mustard, actually. Mustard. Well, this one's mustard. Mustard yeah. yellow. 1927 Dodge Brothers 4. And why the Dodge Brothers? Because Dodgers didn't become Dodgers until... The 1930s. Right. Originally, there were two brothers, John and Horace, and they worked, made motors and bits and pieces for Henry Ford, and Henry Ford wasn't the easiest man in the world to get along with. Right. So they had a falling out in 1914 or 13-14, so Dodge decided to build their own car, and it's Dodge Brothers, you'll see. Dodge Brothers there. All right, on the, on the radiator emblem... It looks like the Star of David, but it yeah. isn't actually. Is yeah, it does a bit. And a lovely, lovely headlights. Yeah. Big and round headlights with chrome. See, they've got DB in the top of them. Oh, yes, yes. DB. So what size motor did you say it was? Oh, it's a four-cylinder. It's probably getting up around two and a half litres. Right, so it's a, quite a heavy car too, wouldn't it? Oh, be? massively heavy, yeah. The earlier ones were Magneto cars. This is a distributor car. It's been on the road since 1972. Oh, wow. At the time, my wife did the upholstery because yeah. we couldn't afford to get it done. She hadn't done upholstery in her life before, but she did a really good learned job. Learned by doing. Yeah, learned by doing. Running boards. You've got very long running boards, big running yeah. boards. got two... This looks like a mud scraper. Yep. That's for your shoes. Before you get in the to car. To wipe, wipe your, the mud off your boots before you get in. Yeah. See, and everything's got DB. Yes. Solid, solid wheel rims. Michelin disc wheels. You could get wooden spoke wheels, wires, or discs. And discs were really good in uh, mushy type country. Yeah. Because the wooden spoke wheels and the wires used to fill up with mud and jam. Yeah, of course. These ones threw the mud off. Quite like disc wheels. I think they're great. Yeah, well, it's something, it's something very unique. Very yeah, different. So, can you kick it in the ribs? Well... We can try. If not, I'll crank it. All right, we'll crank it. This is Herb and Shed Talk. I'm here with Bob, Heritage Restorer. We're going to give it a crank. Cross your fingers. Yeah, it cranks inside the motor, which is unusual too. There we go. Running quite nicely there, Bob. Because it cranks inside the motor, you have to put a cover on, otherwise it spits the oil out. Oh, of course. What's the horn sound like? 
beauty. So this is a temp gauge on top of the um, radiator. Are we going for a drive? Yeah, I put the floor in. Well, this is a treat. I'm going to take this uh, Dodge Brothers car for a drive down the road once the floor goes in. Be gentle with us, Bob. It's got to back the front gearbox. Alright. That's first. That's reverse. That's second. That's top. <laughs> so you have to go from there. There. Speeder. I didn't want things too complicated for people. It's only got brakes on the back. Once you get it moving, it's quite good. Well, as long as you can stop it, it's stop we'll, it. We'll drive that later. <laughs> There's plenty of room in the back there. Yeah, my kids used to love it. My daughter used to swing on that uh. roof bar. would have been an all-purpose type family car back in the day. Yeah, it wasn't an expensive motor car. I think they sold for about seven or eight hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, T Fords were around about six hundred pounds. Dodge had a good reputation for motor vehicles. They, they built good, strong motor vehicles. This is there was they coined a word dependability became Dodge. But I suppose it, well, the roads back then were nothing like our roads are today. Oh, no. It would have been dirt tracks, basically. They're a pretty talky motor. It's you a fair it? size. Oh no, it's only a, it's a two litre, did you say? Two. Oh, close to three. Close to three litre. Yeah. It's almost a square four motor. Three and seven eighths size piston and a four and a half inch stroke.
aggregates the brakes so right. uh, once you get in the rain. It's quite good, easy to steer once you get it moving. Uh, and you feel the road through the car too, that's the given yourself two, uh, two, um, two journeys in life. Yeah. Um, see, it's a, yeah, you can feel the gear saying we're right, let's go. Yeah. Uh, get back to what I said about these sort of cars, how you become part of the car. Uh, even sitting in it, you know, it's different to a modern car. You can sort of feel what the car's doing, how it's reacting. Um, and for a car that's 95 years old, 
still going. This is an amazing old bit of machinery. I've had people in the car that don't like it at all. No, they, they think it's dreadful. But the majority of people like it. For a car its age, you could travel like this all day. Yeah. Just take longer to get there. Yeah, it's heavy on fuel too. It does about 18 miles of a gallon. So how far, how big's the tank? Uh, it's 10 imperial gallons. And uh, how far will that get you? Oh, probably from here to Gunnedah. Oh, that's not too bad. Uh, then you fill her up again. And, uh, the Dodge, when they built these cars, all the nuts and bolts had DB stamped on the top Dodge Brothers. They were really proud of what they did. Yeah. Well, I suppose if the manufacturer's proud of its vehicle, then it sort of then transfers to the owners as well. Yeah. When they were building for Henry Ford, Henry was a, a hard man. Um, he uh, was giving them stock in Ford as payment. So when they had their big fallout, they sold them, made him buy the stock back, which amounted to a few million dollars, and they used that to set up their Dodge Brothers factory. Both brothers died in about 1923, yeah. within a few months of each other. Um, the company was sold to a banking company and it was kept going. It was Dodge Brothers and eventually Chrysler watered out in 1927.
said we could stop. The clutch on this one's washing out. It's a multi-plate clutch. It gets a bit gummy if it's not used. And you can take the floorboards out, undo the inspection plate, and wash it out with kerosene. Never designed to go anywhere rough country. Well, I could sort of imagine just going up that hill then. I could all imagine you know, the family out going to town to pick up all the groceries and the kids in the back. Yeah. Singing a few songs on the way home. We've just been for a drive, Dodge Brothers. 1927 Tourer. Would this yellow, this mustard have been a, a factory colour? No, no. There's a story about that. Everyone was telling me what colour I had to paint the car. Saw this colour on a car and I said, that's it. That'll do. It upset them all, but anyway. Only the purists. Well, thank you very much, Bob, for taking part in Shed Talk. And um, I hope you have many more years of driving the mustard Dodge Brothers to come. I'm Herb. Thanks for listening. If your church is sheds, motors, cars and bikes, we'll listen in on Shed Talk every Sunday, 12 to 1. Thanks for listening uh, and I'll see you next Sunday. I listen to 2ARM 92.1 FM in the car and at work for great tunes and community news. Pirelli, more than just a belt tyre. Pirelli's a dragon steel belt tyre. Dragon, nerves of steel.